Hello and welcome back, or welcome, to this ISBA BursaCast podcast. Today is, of course, a Friday Focus episode. And in these episodes, we speak to specialists from the sector to hear what they have to say on their specific topics. Of course, VAT on school fees has been flying around lately. And so, to try and make sense of it all, we thought that we'd speak to Kieran Smith from Crow. Well, today, as a bit of a first, we've been joined by John Murphy and Kieran Smith from Crow to discuss and dispel some of the myths and legislations around VAT. This is going to be the first in a series of podcasts going to detail around this, so it won't all be today, so you'll have to stay tuned for future episodes. But today, I think we're hoping to touch on the capital goods scheme and really make sense of that. But before we get into that, John, Kieran, morning, and thanks for joining me. Good morning. Welcome. No, superb. Well, John, I'm hoping that you'll take the reins on this one, as I'm hoping you've got a few more questions than I have regarding this topic. Uh, and then the, the guru, Kieran, will have our answers, which would be good. So, I mean, John, you have you spend your life chatting to bursars and going to various schools. What are some of the most common, let's say, misconceptions or, or things that people get wrong around this topic? I think there's a great mystery about it because people don't really understand how the rules work and the rules seem to change with situations and different circumstances. So every situation is different or seems to be to the the layman. And I am very much a layman in this. Um, But with Kieran, with his background, both with Crow and previously with HMRC, I hope you don't mind me mentioning that, Kieran. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've got got the best of both worlds because you've got the inside track and now the the consultancy track as well with the, the advice that Crow give us. So I think the first question on the capital goods scheme is, what is it? How does it work? Okay, um, so this is just um, a mechanism for recovering VAT on larger projects. So usually that's recovered on a cost based on a recovery rate, which is based on what you do in a particular tax year. However, for large projects, and typically here we're talking about building projects, where the value is above £250,000 with VAT being charged, you have to look at the recovery of that over a 10-year period from when that building is completed or first used. So is it a certain amount of money per year? What, how does it work? In, in, what I'm thinking about is people, when they're trying to set their budgets out, they'll be trying to see how much they can claw back from perhaps a £1 million building project over 10 years. How does that work? Okay, so um, at the moment, um, as we know, schools are involved in making exempt supplies. They may recover, say, 2% of the VAT on one of these building projects at the moment. So if you were to complete a building project today and put that building to use, you would only recover 2% of the VAT today. Now, if VAT is applied to school fees in the future, you'll pretty much turn that calculation on its head. You'll be sort of recovering 98% of your VAT. So in the new world, you'd recover 98% of the VAT that's incurred up front in year one when you're getting all of your costs in. And then for the next 10 years, you have to adjust that first percentage calculation. So 98% probably going to go up and down a little bit, but you're not going to have meteoric adjustments based on the school's going to use it for the same sort of things that it, it was intended for and it's always been used for. Now, a lot of these schemes, and particularly bigger, <clears throat> the bigger numbers, uh, the million pound projects, just as an example, are paid for in sort of three or four stages. How, how does that work? It may, that may be over the, co- the life of the project, which may be over two financial years. So, yeah, there are, there are some complications there with working out what we refer to as a, a baseline recovery rate. 
but I, I think the point to get over here that this is on a project by project basis. So you look at a given project and the VAT recovery on that project. You can actually obviously have more than one project going at any one time. So you can have more than one set of adjustments going on for different buildings. Okay. And you mentioned £250,000 as a the sort of bottom limit of this sort of rec reclaim facility. Is, is that absolutely set in stone? That's right. That's that's as the VAT law stands at the moment. Um, we're not expecting it to change. It hasn't changed in all of the time that I've been doing this. Um, so for more than sort of twenty years. So one one of the questions I'm often asked is, particularly with bigger schools, is that their routine maintenance will top out beyond two hundred and fifty k. But it doesn't actually have one project. It's just keeping the show on the road, if you want to put it that way. Would that be reclaimable? So remember, it would be reclaimable. Um, anyway, it's whether it's part of this capital goods scheme or not, and you've got to do your 10-year adjustment period. When we're looking at refurbishments, it's really whether or not it's capitalised in your accounts as well. So if it's capitalised expenditure, it's part of the capital goods scheme. If it's not being capitalised in your accounts, it's not. HMRC tend not to challenge your capitalisation policy as a charity. Um, perhaps because they're not accountants just like I'm not, so I don't necessarily understand the capitalisation <laughs> rules, um, but that's that's what their guidance says. So really there's two messages coming out of that. The first is capitalise where you can, make sure your policy is robust and well set and keep good records so come the day of the race you can actually look back with some accuracy and come Absolutely. up with the calculations you're talking about. Absolutely. So um what we're recommending at the moment, obviously, we're unsure of what the position might be going forward, but there is the threat of VAT being applied to, to school fees. I would urge all, all bursars to go out and check through their, their files for, one, have a look at your fixed asset register, see whether you've got any of these large building projects that um, you can identify. And then obviously, try and find your invoices, try and find the contracts, because of if this does happen in the future, you want to go to HMRC and put in a claim for this VAT that you're eligible for. Okay. You no, can't do that without the invoices, so get them and preserve them. Thank you. No, that's good advice at this stage. There's been a couple of written questions which we've answered in a note you may remember from April this year, and one was about childcare. If you remember, schools uh, have VAT imposed on school fees. We thought that in April that childcare for preschool and post-school care would not be Vatable. Has that changed in your view? Um, no, in my view, no. Um, and the reason for that is that childcare, when we're talking of the, the early years learning that's probably funded a lot of the time through childcare vouchers, um, it's exempt under a different part of the VAT legislation. So rather than being exempt because it's in the education section, it's exempt because it's in the welfare section. But we did make the point, I think, that it needs to be under a separate contract. It can't all come into the school fee contract. It has to be a separate contract for pre and post school care. Am I right in recalling that? So I'm I'm thinking of early years, first of yes, all, that's to right. take the really yeah. easy one. So if you've got kids between the age of three and five, um, they would have a separate contract for the provision that you give them. And that, I think, would be exempt under the welfare exemption. Um, then for the other children in the new VAT world, potentially you're, you're educating them through the day and then at five o'clock that education potentially is not education anymore, you're looking after them. 
Now, at the moment, all of this is covered by the same exemption. It all gets put into the education exemption and closely related matters. Obviously, the education exemption could go. Um, what we're saying is that there may be the possibility that if you have two separate contracts, one for education and one for care, with two separate prices and a clear choice to get yep. to get um, to take one or the other, we may be able to keep the exemption for the childcare services. That seems quite straightforward. Um, you never say that without a certain trepidation when it comes to VAT, but that does actually seem quite quite straightforward. As you say, it comes under different legislation. Yeah, it comes under different legislation. Unfortunately, it's in practical operation, it's unlikely to be straightforward. I think there's going to be commercial issues with being able to run in that way, legal issues as well. And of course, we haven't got a legal framework yet for how the new law is going to be set out or any guidance. So at the moment, we're saying this might work. I'm certainly suggesting that schools should actually, um, as part of their modelling exercises, determine how much VAT they might be able to save by by operating in this way, just so they know what that particular saving might be. We're certainly not saying that you set anything up at the moment specifically for these purposes because we don't know whether it's going to work. I understand that. We don't quite know the, exa the exam question yet. There's two other sort of frequently asked questions. The first is, and this will take a bit of research, I suspect, VAT on boarding fees. There is a 28-day rule for occupancy, and under that, VAT reduces to 4%. I'm not sure that that will apply to schools, and I suspect your answer is going to be, we won't know until we see the framework. Am I right to assume that at this stage? Yes, we, we won't know until we see the framework. Um, yep. If you look at the current framework, there, there'd be the possibility, but even actually with the current framework, it doesn't. I, I think you can sort of see it doesn't seem quite natural that we're going to avail ourselves to the sort of thing that a hotel does at the moment. We, no. we are not hotels. We're, we're quite different to hotels. Yes, there are some parallels, um, and, and I could probably bore everybody far too much going through some case legislation on this from the past, but I won't. It, it, it would be a fiddly one, and I think it's unlikely that we would get that. I think so too, because it goes away from the spirit of what we think any new government, Labour government, would want to, would want to try. But you never know, as you say. We, we don't know what the question is, so we can't really give an answer right at the moment. But what we can do is keep monitoring the situation and keep people up to date. Absolutely. Now, just to go into another basic point, uh, an exempt supply, the, ta the VAT tax point is when? That's a real, a real basic question. It's when you receive the money. If, if the money is received before you perform the service, the receipt of the money creates a tax point. I can't tell you the number of times I've been asked that question. I thought I'd just clear it up by putting it in the podcast. <laughs> so thank, thank, thank you very much. Leo, I think that ends all that we can do for the moment because we're bouncing off what we think we know at the moment and where we think this is going to go uh, with Labour. But over to you. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're absolutely right with that. And a lot of this guidance is within the reference library and, and there's a rolling document that will be continually updated to, to keep sort of everyone abreast with all the, the latest info that we have coming. But, you know, as we've both said, it's a case at the moment of you can't say because you don't know what things are going to be. So until Labour decide to actually put anything down, there's just sort of speculation. But thank you both for taking the time to come and make sense, at the very least, of the capital goods scheme and exempt supply, which are the two, I think, concrete answers we had out of that. Everything else was a little bit like, well, maybe, possibly, however. But no, I think that's been a really good 
run through. So thank you both very, very much for taking some time out of your, I'm sure, busy, busy schedules to come and chat to little old me on the podcast. Thank you, Leo. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll catch you guys again soon when we have a few more details and a bit more stuff in concrete. It would be great to get you both on to talk a little bit more about perhaps how things might be updated. Great. Thank you. And there we have the end of another episode of the ISBA BursaCast podcast. If you did find this useful, please make sure to subscribe wherever it is you're listening to ensure you never miss an update again. If you think members of your team might find this useful, please make sure to send it over to them. And if you'd like to get in touch to say hello or suggest some topics of discussion, please email podcast at the isba.org.uk. We have a great Friday Focus back catalogue. So if there's specific topics that you're unsure about or want to learn a bit more about, please head and have a look at previous episodes. Episodes vary from sustainability to looking after trans pupils and even radon. All sorts of things are covered, so please make sure to check them out. All that's left to say is thank you very much for tuning in and we'll catch you next week for another Thursday Bursa cast. Till next time, farewell.